Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you give us to come and study the Word of God, to worship together, to fellowship together, to encourage one another, and to pray for the kingdom's work that, God, you would accomplish all that you plan. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Six months ago, I asked Grant to take the pulpit here at Christ Church. And so for six months, we have had the privilege of sitting under his ministry of the Word. And so I come today to, for no better uh, title, to give you a message, uh, the state of the church at six months into that ministry. And I can simply say quickly all as well, God has done a phenomenal thing in our church life during this particular, uh, during this particular time. There are three things I'd like to share with you quickly this morning. First of all, we as a congregation have had the privilege of witnessing Grant's maturing. We've had the privilege of witnessing his uh, maturing. After last Sunday, I had a couple of brothers come up to me and said, well, he stepped up a notch. He stepped up a notch. What happened last week was we got to the real serious meat of knowing that if we're going to function and we're going to grow and we're going to fulfill the uh, uh, New Testament's command, it's going to be as we pray together and strengthen ourselves in Jesus Christ. So the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 12 and 16, this to my brother Grant, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young but be an example to all the believers in what you say, the way you live, in your love, your faith, your purity. And Paul says, until I get there or until the Lord comes, focus on reading the scriptures to the church and encouraging the believers and teaching them. Now, every one of you may not have had the privilege of knowing him in a way whether you would know his love and faith and purity is where it should be, but those of us who have worked with him every day and your youngsters who travel with him and are a part of that youth ministry would have to agree that God has done in his life a very special thing. You and I know that he's an example in everything he says when he reads the scriptures and preaches the word of God. I have, uh, I've heard a lot of preaching in my life. Trust me, a heap of preaching. I spent 10 years as a Southern Baptist minister. They have more conferences than they know what to do with. And uh, if I had a nickel for every piece of mail they sent me over the years, I would be a wealthy man. And uh, so anyway, they would every time, boy, you just, it was almost like a preaching contest. You know, they would have in a, in a two-day conference, they'd have 10 different preachers preach in 10 days. And all of them were outstanding speakers. All of them were godly men, good men. But it's like at that particular venue, one had to preach the other. And so really, honestly, some good preaching. But never, and by the way, our brother Grant turned 27 Saturday before last, so he's a whole year older. You know, it's real funny when uh, Central Cumberland Presbyterian Church was uh, looking for a minister be, uh, when they hired my brother Jimmy years, years and years and years and years ago. 
Jimmy was 25, and he was their youth pastor. And so they were without a pastor, and every time they had a pulpit committee selection meeting, they would say, well, if Brother Jimmy were older, we'd just hire him. If Brother Jimmy were older, we'd just hire him. That went on for a year. Finally, one, somebody suggested, well, he is a year older. And they hired him. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, uh, the whole deal is, and I just want to say this because never have I heard in all the years that I've been in ministry a 26-year-old with the grasp of both the book and the ability to communicate like God has given that young man. So that part we can all agree on, and those of us that know him closely also know of his love and his faith and his purity. Certainly he reads the scriptures to the church. Every time the man preaches, there's a text, not just an outline, not just a, uh, 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 a topic, but there is a text. There's actual verses of scripture that, that and he, you know, because it does no good for me to come and say, this is what I think. This is my opinion. It's like navels. Everybody has one. So my opinion and what I have to say is no more important than what you think or what you have to say. Thus saith the Lord is huge. Now I can expand upon and try to help broaden your understanding of thus saith the Lord. But if it's not thus saith the Lord, we're just wasting time. We're just eating up some time. So God says to young Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Another passage says that Timothy was to stir up the gift. Well, folks, we've had the privilege of being the bowl and the spoon. Well, catch on now. If a man's going to stir his gift up, actually it's talking about any combination of stuff that's left to sit. What happens when anything sits? It separates. In the refrigerator, you ever looked in your refrigerator and said, oh God, what's that? Because it's supposed to be one color and now it's three colors. <laughs> and one of them's green and fuzzy. That's probably not good. And uh, so uh, it's supposed to be stirred up. It's supposed to be practiced. It's supposed to be used. It's supposed to be uh, uh, exercised in a way that it can mature and that it can grow. And so we've been able to be a witness to that and be the bowl and the spoon that God has used as he has not neglected but stirred up that gift. Give your complete attention to these matters, young man. Throw yourself into the task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. As with any man, nobody's perfect. But if as the senior pastor here at Christ Church, if I had to give him a report card on these passages right here, it would be an A, an A+. Plus. You understand? I don't see how for the life of me that someone could do better. And I appreciate 
that. Now, not only have we had the opportunity to witness his maturing, we've also had the opportunity and to experience God's work through Grant in our own lives. The very first thing, if you'll turn with me in, in uh, 1 Timothy, I, uh, this passage that uh, we were looking at uh, is out of 1 Timothy. And when uh, Paul was dealing with uh, uh, Timothy in this very matter, he said to him, first of all, I would have you make prayer or give prayer to all men. Prayer for all men. The first thing Paul said, Timothy, here's the most important thing. Make sure you pray for all men. You pray for the kings and for the leaders and for the authorities. He called me one night on the phone. And he said, Brother John, if we're not going to be a praying church, I don't think we need to be a church at all. If we're not going to be a praying church, I don't think we need to be a church at all. I thought about that and I about decided, well, if we're not going to be a praying church, we probably won't be a church at all. We'll just run out of gas one day and that'll be the end of it, okay? But let me ask you a question. How many of you had thoughts or comments about the debacle that's been in Washington over the last few weeks? How many of you literally prayed, literally got on your knees and prayed that God and God alone would bring a solution to that that would be for the good of the people. Most of us complained. Most of us murmured. Few of us prayed. You can't expect what you're not willing to pay, pray for. You cannot expect the righteous outcome for that which you're not willing to pray for. See, it doesn't matter whether a person is an independent, a Tea Party, a Democratic, or a Democrat, or a Republican. God's God. And He can turn the hearts and He can turn the, 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 of the kings just like rivers of water. He can, God can accomplish what God wants to. But I can't expect it until I'm willing to pray for it. We're to pray for all men. I wonder if somebody didn't get saved this week because we refused to pray for them. We neglected to pray for somebody who needs salvation. We neglected to pray for them so they've not been saved this week. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God uses us in his work of, of, of evangelism and in his work of ministering and ruling and reigning in this earth? Do you believe literally that he uses us through our prayer life? Well, there may be somebody, somebody you know, somebody you're concerned about, somebody you're brokenhearted about, somebody you're flat mad at, somebody that's on your case, but anyway, they need to be saved, but you did not pray for them this week. You cannot expect results for that which you were not willing to pray for. Paul said to Timothy, that's the first thing I want you to know. That you need to pray for all men and especially for those in authority. Then there was just some general instruction that I think Paul gave all the church. 
and that Grant has done his best to bring to us this general instruction. And I just found it summed up best in Romans 12. Why don't you look in your Bible in Romans 12? I'm going to read this kind of out of one of the more modern versions, so it might not follow exactly as your Bible is, but it's okay. And if you understand what Grant ever says about your iPhones and all that mess, first Sunday he said that, I said, I don't believe I ever said that before. Somebody needed to look up their scriptures on their iPhone. I always thought you had something leather in your hand, had pages between it, but I've since learned that the iPad works pretty darn good if you want to know the truth, so old, old goat learned something by, by listening. Paul says, and dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. Now, he's not talking about just bodies. He's talking about the content. If somebody gets your body, they get you, right? They kidnap you. <laughs> they got all of you. Okay, so he says, I want you to give all of yourself uh, to the Lord because of what he's done for you. Let us be living and holy sacrifices, the kind that God will find acceptable. You know, in the last several weeks, uh, he preached a sermon a couple of weeks ago about the narrow path, being on the narrow path. And one of the most profound statements, and God has used it in my life, the first thing I have to know and learn to walk that path is to trust my daddy. Because I cannot endure the hardship, give like I'm supposed to, serve like I'm supposed to. I cannot blindly just live sacrificial living unless I am real sure my daddy's got my back. Unless I am positive sure my daddy's going to make up any lack in my life. If I'm positive sure if he tells me to give my last penny to somebody that he will not leave me penniless. If I cannot trust my daddy, I cannot walk that narrow path. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. It's not the doing of the hard things that's important. It's the trusting of God that's important. I will not be able to face up to the difficult choices that have to be made as a believer. I cannot bring myself to allow myself to be persecuted or to allow myself to suffer need or lack unless I am able to trust my daddy. And it was talking about being a living sacrifice when it's talking about becoming acceptable to him. That's what it is, is trusting daddy. And this is truly the way to worship him. When, when we as a congregation talk about worshiping, I have never in my life heard a discussion about going outside these walls and serving somebody else. Come on, have you? I've heard about style of music. I've heard about style of preaching. I've, I've heard about how long we preach, how short we preach. I have, I have heard every discussion that's out there about worship, but nobody's ever talked to me about going outside these walls and doing something that represents Jesus Christ. And this is what it says right here. 
This is what it says. If you'll give yourself a living sacrifice, that kind that's acceptable to him, this truly is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Truth is, for most of us, we come to church for a few minutes and we hang out with the world the rest of the time. We come to church for a few minutes, we hang out with the world the rest of the time, and we wonder what's wrong with us. We wonder what's wrong with us. Well, our thinking, you know, Zig Ziglar says the problem with most of us is thinking, thinking. Just thinking, thinking. And that's what's wrong with most Christians. Instead of spiritual thinking, instead of thinking on those things that are pure, good, wholesome, all those things that the Bible lists, we think about every worldly, uh, fleshy situation that's, that's going along. Now, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, lest our bodies, which has many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and yet we belong to each other. And then in verses 6 and following down through verse 8 are those seven spiritual gifts. I'm going to jump that for time's sake, and I want to go right down to verse 9. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Gordon, when you were a sheriff's deputy and in a patrol car, what was the number one worst situation you wanted to get called to? Domestic, I'll help you, domestic dispute, right? It's amazing. A woman will call the sheriff's department and say her husband is beating her. The deputy will arrive to arrest her husband. The woman will jump on the deputy and beat him. It's crazy. Happens all the time. A deputy had rather go to a bank robbery than a domestic dispute. He is less likely to get hurt at a bank robbery than at a domestic dispute. And as preachers, I feel like that's all we do is referee domestic disputes among our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if the pastor feels like he takes the side of one just a little bit more than the other one. The other one's mad at him forever. You know what God says? God says, get over yourselves. Start preferring one another above the other. Love each other with a genuine love. That's what the message it God's trying to give us here, folks, is it's time to grow up and mature and become. Someone asked me not too long ago a legitimate question. Where are we going as a church? What direction are we going in? And I tell you, we're probably not going anywhere very fast. 
because there was nobody to keep the nursery this morning. Sharon had to go to Sunday school classes and beg for somebody to keep the nursery this morning. Tell me what happens when 30 young people come in here with babies. Are they staying or not? Huh? Well, look, at all, look, at, look around. Look at all these people. Start looking at all these people. Look around. See all the people. What is our issue? What is our deal? I know what our deal is. Bless me. I'm here to be blessed. Bless me. Just like I want you to. Don't bless me anyway except the way I want to be blessed. And don't ask me to step out of my comfort zone to be a blessing to someone else. I'm sorry. You can get mad at me and next Sunday, the next preacher you won't have to be mad at. Now, don't just pretend to love, really love. Hold tight to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Don't be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. Darn, it came up again. This business of keep on praying. Be patient in trouble. Man, I get so frustrated. Man, God says, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things give thanks. And in what? Prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be able and eager to practice hospitality. Bless those that persecute you. Don't curse them. <laughs> Pray that God will bless them. Well, I've about learned to quit cussing at them. But just learning to bless them, that's a whole nother step, isn't it? That's a whole nother step. Hello. <laughs> if that's God, give it to Grant. <laughs> that's all right. Mine went off in funeral the other day. I was thinking maybe the dead guy's going to ask if it's for him, but it didn't. <laughs> we probably needed a little uh, break. Be happy with those that are happy and weep with those who are weep. One guy said it's a whole lot easier to weep with somebody that weeps than to be happy with somebody who just got the promotion ahead of you. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable and do what you can to live peaceably with everyone. Now, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will keep heap coals of shame on his head. If our church... If the, new, if the church in America today is going to impact the world in the future, 
It's not going to be from inside these walls. You can look around if you want to, but you're seeing the last generation that's just going to drift in off the street. The world that's being raised out there is just not a church-going people. They're just not going to automatically drift in because the front door's open. They're going to have to see something that makes it worth their while to be a part of an organization. People just don't go join organizations. Civitan's not getting members. Lions Club's not getting members. You understand? People just don't join stuff anymore. They got to, it's, man, I got enough stuff. That it's too much demanding my money, my time. I'm going to spend time. My kids going to spend time working. I, I ain't got time for all this. And if we're going to get their attention and we're going to be able to share the gospel with them, it's going to be outside these walls, not inside these walls. And it's going to take that attitude that I'm willing to give my enemies something to eat. I'm going to be willing to give thirsty, the thirsty something to drink even if they're unappreciative and unkind, and in doing so, it will shame them that they had those ugly thoughts about us. And don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know what? If every time Satan tempts you to do something bad, you do something good, you think maybe he'd wise up after a while and leave you alone? I don't know, but he might <laughs> If every time Satan tempts you to do something ugly and you turn it around and do something beautiful, you use it as an opportunity. Instead of doing wrong to do good, it would be a marvelous witness, strengthening and growing for you and a marvelous witness for the church of our Lord Christ. So what's the end result? What's the end result? Well, we get to become the body of Christ and his hands and his feet. In Ephesians 2, it talks about after we have matured and grown in Christ, we become a building being fitted together, and we grow into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, us also, are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You know, God's anxious to live in us. He lives in us if we're born again. The question is, are we his temple? And is he allowed to rule and reign in us? Can I ask you a question? Do you let God drive sometimes? Or do you let God drive all time? Do you listen to God sometimes? Or do you listen to God all the time. When you run in the ditch, do you say, okay, God, get me out of this ditch? Or did you hear him the first time when he told you not to run into the ditch? You see, even though he lives in us, we have not always let him be ruling Lord and reign in our life. And we are his temple. We are his holy house. Holy Spirit lives in us. And he not only lives in us, but he desires to rule and reign in us. And if we'll allow him to rule and reign in us, then the church will become the church. And the church won't become the church till we allow Holy Spirit to begin to reign and rule in our lives individually. And then so 
collectively. And that comes from hearing the Word of God, profiting from what our teaching pastor tells us, and applying it to our life and growing. And again, in 2 Timothy, the Scripture says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, even from childhood, speaking of Timothy. You have known these holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Hear this, that the man and woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped to every good work. We've got to know Jesus, not only hear his word, but apply his word to our heart. Let Holy Spirit begin to rule and to reign in our life. And at that moment, God will take His Word, He will take His Spirit, and He will make us complete. He will thoroughly equip us for every good work. We pray, and God begins to use our efforts to grow and mature the church of Jesus Christ to win that world out there to Himself.